Tape Jockey by Tom Leahy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Bologna Times. Tape Jockey by Tom Leahy. Pettigill was, you might say, in tune with the world. It wouldn't even have been an exaggeration to say the world was in tune with Pettigill. Then somebody struck a sour note. The little man said, Why, Mr. Bartle, come in. This is indeed a pleasure. His pinched face was lighted with an enthusiastic smile. You know my name, so I suppose you know. The bulletin sent me for a personality interview. The tall man who stood in the doorway said in a monotone, as if it were a statement he had made a thousand times, which he had. Oh, certainly, Mr. Bartell. I was informed by Section Secretary Andrews this morning. I must say I am greatly honored by this visit, too. Oh, heavens, here I am letting you stand in the doorway. Excuse my discourtesy, sir. Come in, come in. The little man said, and bustled the board Bartle into a great room. The walls of the room were lined by gray metal boxes that had spools of reproduction tape mounted on their vertical fronts. Tape recorders, hundreds of them. I have a rather lonely occupation, Mr. Bartle, and sometimes the common courtesies slip my mind. It is a rather grievous fault, and I beg you to overlook it. It would be rather distressing to me if Section Secretary Andrews were to hear of it. He has a rather intolerant attitude toward such faux pas. Do you understand what I mean? Not that I'm dissatisfied with my superior. Perish the thought. It's just that— Don't worry. I won't breathe a word. The tall man interrupted without looking at the babbling fellow, shuffling along at his side. Mr. Pettigill, I don't want to keep you from your work for too long, so I'll just get a few notes and make up the bulk of the story back at the paper. Bartle searched the room with his eyes. Don't you have a chair in this place? Oh, my gracious, yes. There goes that old discourtesy again, eh? The little man, Pettigill, said with a dry laugh. He scurried around the room like a confused squirrel until he spotted a chair behind his desk. My chair. My chair for you, Mr. Bartle. Again, the dry laugh. Thanks, Mr. Pettigill. Arthur, call me Arthur. Formality really isn't necessary among mid-echelon, do you think? Section Secretary Andrews has often requested I call him Morton, but I just can't seem to bring myself to such informality. After all, he is subprime echelon. It makes one uncomfortable, shall we say, to step out of one's class. He stopped talking, and the corners of his mouth dropped quickly, as if he had just been given one minute to live. You, you are only mid-echelon, aren't you? I mean, if you are subprime, I shouldn't be. Relax, Mr. Pettigill. Arthur, I am mid-echelon, and I'm only that because my father was a man of far more industry than I. I inherited my classification. So, well now, interesting, very. He must have been a great man, a great man, Mr. Bartle. So I am told, Arthur, but let's get on with it, Bartle said, taking some scrap paper and a pencil stub from his tunic pocket. 
Now tell me about yourself and the Mellocyte Center. Well, the little man began with a sigh and blinked his eyes peculiarly, as though he were mentally shuffling events and facts like a deck of cards. Well, I, my life would be of little interest, but the center is of the utmost importance. That's it. I am no more than a physical extremity that functions in accord with the vital life that courses through the great physique of the center. No more. I ask no more than to serve the center, and in turn my fellow citizens, whether they be prime, subprime, mid, or even sublower. He stopped speaking, affecting a martyr-like pose. Bartle covered a smile with his hand. Well, Bartle, as you know, the center, the Melopsych Center, a thoroughly inadequate name for the installation, I might say, is the point of broadcast for these many taped musical selections contrived by Mass Psych as a therapeutic treatment for the various echelon levels. It is the great psychiatrist, the father confessor. For where can one bear one's soul, or soothe one's nerves and disposition frayed by a day's endeavor better than in the tender yet firm embrace of music? Bartle was straining to follow the train of thought that was lost in the camouflage of Pettigal's flowery phraseology. You see all about you these many recorders, Mr. Bartle? Bartle nodded. On those machines, sir, are spools of tape, music tapes, all music, my heavens, every kind, classical music, jazz, western, all kinds of music. Some tapes are no more than a single melodious note, sustained for whatever length of time necessary to relax and please the echelon level home it is being beamed to. Oh, I tell you, Mr. Bartle, when the last tape has expended itself for the day, as our service code suggests, I leave this great edifice with a feeling of profound pride in the fact that I have so served my fellow man. You share that feeling, too, don't you, Mr. Bartle? Bartle shrugged. Pettigill paused and looked at the watch he carried on a long chain attached to a clasp on his tunic. A Benz chronometer, given to me by Section Secretary Andrews on the completion of my twenty-five years of service. It's radio-synchronized with the master timepiece in Greenland. It gives me a feeling of close communion with my superiors, if you understand what I mean. Bartle did not. He said, Am I keeping you from your work? If I am, I believe I can fill in on most of this back at the paper. We have files on the center's operation. The little man hurriedly put out a hand to restrain Bartle, who was easing out of the chair. Not yet, Mr. Bartle, he said, suddenly much more sober. Then his incongruous pomposity appeared again. My gracious, no, you aren't keeping me from my work. I just must start the mid-lower echelon tape. It won't take a moment. Tonight they receive concerto for ass's jawbone. Sounds rather ridiculous, doesn't it? Be that as it may, there is a certain stimulation in its rhythmic cacophony. Aboriginality, yes, I would say it arouses a primitive exaltation. He flicked a switch above the recorder, turned a knob, and pressed the starter button on the machine. The tape began winding slowly from one spool to another. Is it casting? Bartle asked. I don't hear a thing. Pettigill laughed. My stars, no! You can't hear it. See? 
he pointed at a needle doing a staccato dance on the meter face of the machine that tells me everything is operating properly mass psych advises us never to listen to casts the selections were designed by them for specific social and intellectual levels it could cause us to experience a rather severe emotional disturbance a peculiar look came over bartle's face is there ever a time when all the machines run at once that is when every echelon home is tuned to the mellow psych tape casts pitgill registered surprise why certainly mr bartle don't you know amendment thirty four two o six b specifically states that all echelon homes must receive music therapy at twenty three hundred hours every night of course different tapes to different homes that's what i mean haven't you been abiding by the directive mr bartle i told you i owed my classification to my father's industry i am definitely lax in my duties pettigill laughed almost wickedly bartle thought what i'm getting at is bartle continued what are the wrong casts were channeled into the various homes i remind you sir i am in charge of the sender and have been for thirty years not even the slightest mistake of that nature has ever occurred during that time that i can believe pettigill bartle said his voice edged with sarcasm but hypothetically if it were to happen what would the reaction be the little man fidgeted with his watch-chain then he leaned close to bartle and said in a barely audible whisper this isn't for publication in your article is it you don't think the government would allow that do you no this is to satisfy my own curiosity well since we're both mid echelon brothers so to speak i suppose we can share a secret it will be disastrous i firmly believe it will be disastrous mr bartle he moved closer to the tall man i recall a secret administrative directive we received here twenty years ago concerning just that in essence it stated that though music therapy has its great advantages if the pattern of performance were broken or altered a definite erratic emotional reaction would develop on the part of the citizens that was twenty years ago and i shudder to think what might be the response now especially if the cast were completely foreign to the recipient he gave a little shudder to emphasize the horror of the occurrence it would make psychotics of the entire citizenry that's what would happen a nation of psychotics the fellow who didn't hear the miscast would be top dog eh pettigill he would call his shots pettigill twirled the watch-chain faster between a forefinger and thumb no he'd gain nothing he said staring as though hypnotized by the whirling gold chain it would take more than one sane person to control the derelict population perhaps perhaps two he mumbled yes i think perhaps two could you and who else pettigill pettigill stepped back and drew himself erect what you actually entertain the idea the he laughed dryly oh, you're pulling my leg eh mr bartle i suppose i am well such a remark gives one a jolt if you know what i mean even though we are speaking of a hypothetical occurrence we must be cautious about such talk mr bartle 
although our government is a benevolent organization it is ill disposed toward such ideas he cleared his throat <coughs> now is there anything else i can tell you about the center bartle arose from the chair stuffing the scrap paper and unused pencil back in his pocket thanks no he said i think this'll cover it oh yes the article will appear in this sunday's edition thanks pettigill for giving me your time oh i wish to thank you mr bartle being featured in a bulletin article is the ultimate to a man such as i a man whose only wishes are to serve his country and his brothers i'm sure you're doing both with great efficiency bartle said as he apathetically shook pettigill's hand and started toward the door a moment mr bartle the little man called bartle stopped and turned i perceive mr bartle you are a man of exceptional ability pettigill said and cleared his throat <coughs> I, it seems a shame to waste such talent it should be directed toward some definite goal do you understand what i mean after all we're all brothers you know it would be for my benefit as well as yours sure sure brother bartle snorted and left he started for the paper office but decided to let the story go until morning what the hell he had a stock format for all such articles the people were the same selfless heroic type citizens working for the mutual good of all only the names were different and yet this pettigill had disturbed him perhaps it was something he had said that bartle could not remember he walked into his warm flat and extracted the pre-cooked meal from the electro oven he ate with little relish abstractly thinking of the foolish little cog in the governmental machine he had talked with that afternoon or was pettigill that foolish little cog bartle could not help but feel there was something deep inside him that did not show in that wizened and seemingly open little face he thought about it the rest of the evening he looked at the clock on the night table twenty three hundred hours pettigill's lullaby hour he thought bartle chuckled and switched off the bed light he was asleep before the puffs of air had escaped from under the covers he pulled over himself when the phone rang at o three hundred bartle was strangely not surprised although consciously he was expecting no call hello he said sleepily bartle this is pettigill the voice was pettigill's but the nervous timid quality was gone i assume you did not hear the twenty three hundred cast you assume correctly pettigill what do you want come on over to the center we'll split a fifth of former section secretary andrew scotch what the hell do you mean were you serious about that therapy revolution we were talking about this afternoon i'm always serious so what excellent excellent pettigill laughed i've spent thirty years just waiting for such a man as you no i'm serious my cynical friend what position would you like in the new government let's see why don't you make my descendants real peachy happy and make me say administrator of civilian relations that sounds big and important fine fine tell me bartle how are your relations with psychotics 
Bartle leapt to the floor. Instantly he recalled what Pettigill had said that had disturbed him. When they had been discussing the repercussions of a miscast, Pettigill had said, It will be disastrous, and not, It would be disastrous. The devil had been planning just such a thing for God knows how long. How many of them, Pettigill? Bartle asked. A lot, Bartle, a lot, the little man answered. I would say one hundred and seventy million. I might even say a nation of psychotics. <laughs> He giggled again. A smile sliced through Bartle's sallow cheeks. My relations with them would be the best. Keep that scotch handy, Pettigill. I'll be right over. End of Tape Jockey by Tom Leahy.